Welcome to the State of the City for Murfreesboro Government. Mayor Shane McFarland will join me in just a moment. There were a lot of things happening in the city in 2022. We added two new members to the Murfreesboro City Council. Some exciting redevelopment projects in the downtown area are in the works. A major entertainment venue has chosen Murfreesboro to be its home. The city is also looking at new and innovative ways to deal with solid waste, our roadways and more. Speaking of new Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation has a new facility to unveil very soon. So here to discuss everything that has been happening in Murfreesboro, City Mayor Shane McFarland. Mayor, it's good to see you. Great to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about what's happening in the city of Murfreesboro. Well, congratulations on another four-year term in 2022. And of course, we're in a growing city sure. with uh, a lot of challenges, and that means infrastructure needs and cost. But there are, like you say, a lot of accomplishments. Uh, things are moving forward. And we wanted to just discuss a number of those things that happened in 2022. Yeah, and I, you know, I think, Mike, you know how the city has grown. And, you know, as a city, I, I don't think we very often will, you know, toot our own horn and you get sort of busy with all the things that are happening, but you don't take time to let people know, hey, this is what occurred last year. And so I'm thankful for y'all. I'm thankful for, for our team here at the city to be able to sit down and you, you know my personality. I'm definitely a more informal person and, you know, standing behind a podium and reading you know, a prepared speech for the state of the city is not me. Um, and I, th I like being, and I think people like that. I yeah, like people, I, agree. I think people like being able to have more of a conversation and listen uh, about what's happening. So thank you all for the opportunity to, to do this. You're welcome. It's good to have you. A community investment trust was one of the big things and that took a lot of work in the legal department. Um, there was some forethought with that, first sure. of all, I mean, someone had to think through the idea of we're going to sell our electric distribution system so that we can have a long-term investment for the city. Yeah, you know, we made that decision three years ago um, to, to sell MED. We already had such a great partner in our community with Middle Tennessee Electric, they're one of our oldest um, corporate partners in Murfreesboro based here in Murfreesboro. They serve all, you know, all over the, the mid-state. And so it was just a, it was a great fit to be able to make that decision. And the benefits that, that have transpired since that's happened, we set up a, a big trust. And that big trust, the, the proceeds that are gonna come in, it's, a, it's over $300 million just in the net proceeds. Now, what we're hoping, much like our pension, that will grow. And what we've been able to do is, outside of that other trust, we've set up a community investment trust. And that trust is set up to where we can help a lot of our service providers in the city that you know deal with homelessness, that deal with things, different things with children like CASA, I mean, all these different organizations. So we set up, not only do we set up our community investment trust to manage the money, we set up another uh, foundation group that actually will divest some of those funds to community partners. So I think 15 years from now, I mean, my goal, clearly I'm not going to be mayor in 15 years. Um, I think the council is going to sit up and see this annuity that's being paid every year that benefits the taxpayers so that we don't have to have the discussions about raising taxes, but also it invests our community partners who do so much uh, in the city of Murfreesboro. It's definitely an accomplishment. A lot of references have been made to the community, uh, the, the Christy Houston Foundation, mm -hmm. the community foundation that invest within the community. And so 
when you think of it like that, that's something that's going to benefit generations. Uh, when we're gone, there are people still benefiting from that. Well, I put it this way. Murfreesboro Electric Department, the city was getting about $3 million a year in payment in lieu of taxes. That number now could triple on what the city's getting, but just based on the annuity and, and the major part with that, the liability of running an electric department is no longer there. And that means that we don't have to borrow money to build you know, office buildings, infrastructure, and, and those funds can just be set aside as almost a savings account for the taxpayer of Murfreesboro. That's a big deal. Uh, and so people understand some money was set aside a small amount, like three or four million to, to, to invest in some projects, I think like uh, the West Park and, and roads, but then decisions will be made going forward. But ultimately those two committees, the one on strategic mm -hmm. partnerships and the other on how uh, the funds are invested, will end up going to the council and the council will make the final decision. Yeah, a, a, a little different. There was a little more than three or four million that was set aside for projects. You know, what we what we did, we set aside money for West Park. Um, that was about five million that we set aside. We had already set aside three or four million, so we've got about eight or nine million for West Park now that we don't have to borrow. And then we took the re we took about fifteen million that we've set aside for road projects. And so those road pro projects include Old Fort Parkway, the bridge um, over Stones River, the bridge over 24. And, and what we can do with that money is typically TDOT will match our money anywhere three or four times. We conservatively figured that just we could leverage our money, we could double it. So what we're gonna be able to do is take that money and double that to be able to, to push those road projects along. And so where that benefits the taxpayer, and, and all of us know this from running our own homes, anytime that we don't have to borrow money, that's a good thing. And so this, what this has allowed us to do is not only push projects through quicker, it's allowed us to be able to do that and not, bar, not borrow money. But at the same time, one of the big concerns was that we would sell this asset in in typical political style, we were going to spend the money as fast as we could. And what we have put in place is we have said that future councils can never spend into the principle of that money. And without going to a referendum or going back to the state of Tennessee and amending our charter. So it really has protected that money that, you know, 50 years from now, our kids' kids will be able to know that this is set aside in Murfreesboro to be able to benefit the taxpayer. And the way you had to do it by going to the legislature and get approval for the change of the charter, I mean, these are things that that implemented this kind of in stone. Yes. You know, it's yeah. going to be hard to change it again. Yeah, I mean, right? very rarely will you see local government go to the state and say, hey, we want you, we want to put more control on us, you know. And, and I think that's what we did as a council that we really said, we want to make sure that if a future council comes in and maybe they have a different opinion with that money, that they can spend the, the dividends that come off of it. They can change how they want to spend that. But without truly going to a referendum inside the city, that money cannot be touched. And, and that's what we really felt like was the best way to not only protect the taxpayer, but to protect the city uh, moving forward. Let's talk about redeveloping downtown. 
there's this thought that you can't have a vibrant downtown without having a fully vibrant city. And so sure. even though the city of Murfreesboro is moving west, and some might argue that maybe the center of town is closer to I-24 than it is to downtown, you and others probably feel like we still need to redevelop downtown so it is the downtown we want to have. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had my business downtown since 2008. And you look at the people that are on council, um, the majority of us work downtown. You know, Councilman Wright, um, Councilman Averwater, of course, Councilman Shacklett, his photography business has been on the square for a number of years. Well, I mean, as long as I can remember. So we all have a heart for the downtown. And it, I think if you look over the last 10 years, what has happened specifically with real estate and with people wanting to come downtown, it, it's, it's really flipped um, to where downtown property is some of the hardest in Murfreesboro to find. You know, I think the, the development is extremely important, but one of the things that, and it's tough for people who've lived in Murfreesboro all their lives to really grasp this, but people wanna live downtown. And the biggest challenge that we have right now, there, there are very few rooftops downtown where people, and when I say the downtown proper, you know, I'm talking about the square and maybe a couple of blocks off the square. You just don't have a lot of opportunity for people to be able to live uh, there. And I think people want to do that now. They want to live where they can walk. They want to live where they can walk to their restaurants, maybe, you know, be outside more. And so I think that's what we're, we're really trying to focus on. And, you know, my, at my heart, I appreciate all the business in, businesses in Murfreesboro. And so, I, you know, I, I get frustrated when people are saying, you know, you should do a better job attracting national headquarters to come to Murfreesboro. And, and I'm like, well, we have lots of national headquarters in Murfreesboro. Every small business that is based here has their headquarters here. And so if you were to add up all the people in our community that are employed by small business owners, it greatly outpaces all of the other business, the large businesses. Amazon. Sure. Uh, General Mills. So there are larger companies Absolutely. Here. And we are thankful for our partners. But at the same time, I mean, the true small business owner, we don't have the resources that, you know, a public company has. And so most of those businesses, if you look that are downtown, they're not chain restaurants. Those are all, you know, like Sean and Christy Hackinson with the alley. You know, you, you look at all of these different businesses and they're, they're families, they're small business owners. And so I think continuing to make sure that we invest back in the downtown, it creates a vibrant small business economy, which, you know, gives that different um, niche that we, we can have in Murfreesboro. Like last night, my wife and I went and ate at the alley. and It's always busy. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, it's, we typically are there every Thursday night after we have a council meeting, we just go sit and, and have dinner. And so it's so cool to be able to frequent those small businesses. And, and look, I'm not getting paid by the alley for advertising. I, I think there's lots of places that we can go visit downtown, but if we don't have a vibrant and a safe downtown, um, a lot of that feel of Murfreesboro goes away. There's a number of projects that have been discussed for a number of years, but they're real close to really being becoming visual. Yeah. The daylighting of Town Creek and then the realignment of Front Street. So yes. let's talk about that. Yes, yeah, so Town Creek has been something that we've talked about all the way going back to 2010. Um, and that's where the corner of Church Street and Broad Street, um, there were some older businesses there. And, you know, back in the 70s, the, the, to talk about how things have changed in the 70s, things were, hey, if there's a creek or if there's some kind of waterway, you want to 
close it off, pipe it in concrete, and no one wants to see it. And then, you know, fast forward 50 years, some of those structures start failing and you, know, you have to go in and dig everything up and you have to replace it. So we have, uh, as a council, made the decision that we're really daylighting Town Creek, uh, an old concrete structure that we can bring back to where it's actually something that is, is fun and, and it also is, is a, not an eyesore, but more of a, an amenity to the downtown. It will become like a park. It is, it's gonna be a park, almost like a greenway through the, down the Broad Street area. And then, you know, we've seen several plans come to the city council about some of the city property on Broad Street, a revitalization there with uh, some retail space, some residential space, a boutique hotel, um, some, some office space. So I think you're really going to see this whole downtown corridor over the next, you know, 10 or 12 years will will improve. You know, we, we had the bottom study and, and I think it was very beneficial. But one of the things that the, the bottom study just hasn't moved and we haven't been able to attract people to invest in that area. And I think one of the main reasons is because there's no one who lives in that area. And so we've got to be able to mix activity coming in with people living downtown, but we've got to be able to mesh that with traffic and all the other things that, that come along. Of course, an example, if you look to Nashville, is like the Gulch, it was a warehouse district, yeah. railroads going through it, and then you, 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 someone starts doing something yes. and then it all builds on itself. Yeah, I mean, it's a great example. Last Friday night, um, we went, and I say we, my wife and I went down and we wanted to go see Adam Sandler. And so we just made this, we just said, hey, we're gonna stay down in the Gulch area. and so. We stayed there for the night, went to a small restaurant, had dinner, and we walked everywhere. And you start looking around that whole area and you look at the, the, um, the different complexes that are there where people live and people are out walking their dogs. And I'm not saying that we want to turn downtown Murfreesboro into Nashville, but I do think that there is the ability to be able to provide some really cool different spots where, you know, as you retire you may want to live downtown so it becomes a destination yeah and it is a nashville company right that wants to invest Correct. in this broad street development where is that at yeah. is it close to becoming well i think you know a lot of those things were are, are worked on at the administration and the staff level and then they're brought to to us we met on that and it, and it was presented to us about six or eight months ago and we had a lot of different feedback that the council you know um uh, you know, Mike, I think one of the things, just like, you know, the T word taxes, we don't like to use that word. The A word doesn't like, that's apartments or not. Um, you know, people don't like to hear the apartment word. And, and I would agree that I think if I could go back 25 years ago and, and I had my magic wand, I think we would have made some different decisions regarding apartments in, the Murf in Murfreesboro and more to not have them stretched out all over on the outskirts of the city. You know, I think density needs to be more centrally located in areas where it's easy to provide services. And so I think we made, it's hard to believe that a politician would say this, I think we've made some mistakes with those things. Um, and, and that's really what we're looking at downtown is how do we provide affordable housing that people can actually afford to buy and it not all just be transient housing. And when I say transient housing, you know, somebody who's gonna stay somewhere for, you know, a year and then they're moving somewhere else. So I think that's what we're trying to mesh downtown. Uh, 
other developments that are occurring are along Medical Center Parkway, the Notes Live yeah. Entertainment Complex, which is very exciting. A lot yeah. of people are really geared up for that. Apparently, there's going to be some kind of uh, ribbon cutting or groundbreaking soon. Yeah, they're working on the groundbreaking on that. Um, I think they're working through all of their financial data, and you know, right now is is a tougher time financially with inflation and interest rates at where they are. So, you know, you know what we're talking about, like with Notes Live, we're really trying to bring different things to Murfreesboro that, you know, I. Like, I think it would be great that I didn't have to drive to Nashville on Friday night to go see uh, something. I mean, I, those offerings can be here in our community. And, you know, we talk about traffic on I-24, being able to provide those services in Nashville or in Murfreesboro that you can get in Nashville. And I think that's one of the things with Notes Live that's gonna be, um, it's gonna be great. Now, of course, we have, we've had a lot, you've, you've been at the meetings, we've had a lot of discussion about traffic on Medical Center Parkway. I was out there three times the last, the last two days and you know, construction on Medical Center Parkway widening is, is going on right now. And Clary Park, the new development, they seem to be moving very fast. I think it's an Atlanta company. Yeah. I mean, they took the grading quick and then yeah. I think they're the ones adding that third lane so they were already building the curb yeah. and not recently I looked through there and I think they're about ready to pour the pavement on that. Yeah. The council now meets fairly regularly at the airport. It's a new facility, um, it has a lot of amenities and yeah. that's been something that was in the works for a number of years and is one of the accomplishments. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if I told you this, um, I just about two weeks ago got my pilot's license uh, I've been working on that for about the last 18 months. I saw months. the photograph yeah. with your trainer. So I'm officially going to be the air mayor now, if that's okay. That's, that's what I'd <laughs> like to The know. air mayor. Yeah. Um, so we, um, the, the airport is something I am very proud of. And I don't think a lot of people understand the economic generator that the airport is for our community. But, you know, not only that, it's the activity that happens out there. So we were able to build a new, a new, uh, I don't want to call it a terminal because we don't have commercial flights coming into Murfreesboro, so it's not like people are checking their luggage in there. But it's a it's an FBO, which is a flight-based operation um, that's that's based out of there. And so it's if you've not been out to the airport, it's something that I know our team out there would love showing you um, what's happening out there. Another big accomplishment, while it's still in the works, of course, is the uh, alternatives that the city is seeking sure. on the Middle Point landfill and the city is moving forward with the alternatives. And so I would like to hear more about, you know, how soon the, the transfer stations, I think yeah. there, there's another name for them if you yeah. talk to Darren Gore, but um, why the decision was made to, to move forward like that. I try not to let my blood pressure get up when we start talking about trash, um, especially with Middle Point. And, and I'm not gonna go into all the legal stuff that we're dealing with at Middle Point right now, but. You know, I think for, we talk about decisions that we wish we could go back on, and I would like to think back in the late 80s, early 90s, that the decision that was made to allow, you know, a super dump in Murfreesboro, um, I, I would like to think that that decision would have, it would have been different knowing where we are now. And so what we what we really have tried to do is to say that we're gonna take the destiny of Murfreesboro we're going to determine that on our own on how we're going to handle trash and that there's nothing right about 
70% of outside trash coming into Murfreesboro and we're the ones, we are the ones left to deal with all the environmental issues that come with that. Ultimately, you know, a new landfill going on their site that's, that would double the size of the current landfill is just not acceptable to the city of Murfreesboro. It's not acceptable to the residents in Rutherford County. And it, it really is one of those things, Mike, that I think the cheap way is not always the best way. I mean, sure, we've saved money, I think, being able to dispose of our trash for free. But the, the long-term effects that we are going to be dealing with, in my opinion, far, far outweigh the money that we've saved. And that's why the council voted here about 45 days ago. Uh, we're spending about $2.8 million on developing the new transfer station, which is, is a is, is basically terminology that where all of the trash that we collect goes to one centralized location. It's warehoused in a, a smell-proof building. And then we've, we've partnered with a company based in Morrison, Tennessee called Waste Away, where they can take that um, material, that MSW, which is municipal solid waste, they process that and it has a, a roughly a 90% ability to take all that trash. There's only about 10% with diversion that we can't recycle or we can't process. And it turns it into an alternate, uh, alternate fuel source. And then it ev we've even gone further where we now feel like that that alternate fuel so source can be used to produce um, natural gas that we in turn can, can put back on the pipeline. So, so I think people would generally agree that Murfreesboro is a relatively conservative community. Absolutely. In a conservative county. Yeah. But this is a very progressive idea. Yes. To do this. And it, you've been candid, it's going to have costs. So there's going to be significant investment. It is, but, but we feel like, you know, I, I like to joke, and I've said this for years on WGNS or a lot of our shows, that we can't, there are many things in life that we can't guarantee. You always hear that you know, the only things that you can count on is, is death and taxes. And I think there's a third thing. Solid waste is not gonna be free inside the city of Murfreesboro. It's just, it, it can't be. But I think we've got the opportunity to be able to make it as affordable as anything else inside our city. So, you know, there's people in Smyrna and Laverne that are paying 25 to $27 a month for someone to come pick their trash up. The city of Murfreesboro, we charge $7.50 a month. And we're up to picking up now almost 50,000 cans per week. And, and so that nowhere comes close to subsidizing what it costs to run that, that operation. Um, but I think we now have the ability, based on what we can bring in through the county and the cities in, in Rutherford County, we think we've got a really good opportunity that that we can make this work and it can be an affordable and an environmental alternative. And new technology, of course, which Waste Away is, uh, is a part of it with how we're collecting yeah. uh, solid waste with routeware, which is a new way to kind of verify that yeah. the trash is being collected. We've, you know, we talk about our community. I mean, Mike, we're high-tech rednecks now. I mean, you know, <laughs> we've, we've got, it, it, you know, look, I'm, I'm real big on technology. I think that if there's, an easier way to do something, why wouldn't we want to do that? And so now with Routeware, we can look at 
what's the best segments for us to pick up trash that benefits the taxpayer? What's the best way that when our trash truck comes to your home that they click a button to let our yard waste people know that, hey, there's, there's limbs on the street that we need to pick up. And so I think by, um, you, you know, the one service, and people don't realize this, you know, we have got a great police department, great parks and recreation, great fire department. I mean, look at all the services that we have inside of our city. But what's the one service that every resident gets every trash single week? Of course. Absolutely. And, and I can guarantee you when someone's trash doesn't get picked up, we're going to hear about it. And so I think that's something that's very important that there's all of these other services that we have that get all of the sort of the, the credit and they get all of the, the publicity about what they do. But solid waste is one of those departments that you just don't hear that much about. But in my opinion, it's one of the most departments inside the city that people rely on every single week. Well, and the two things people complain about the most would be if they didn't have their trash picked up or there was a problem with it, or there's congestion and roads. Sure. And the other day, uh, you had uh, the engineer, Chris Griffith, uh, who's yeah. executive director yeah. of Public Works, uh, gave a presentation. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there were maybe 57 road projects on that list. Yeah, there were 57 but there are 27 road projects that are currently under construction inside the city of Murfreesboro, 27. And out of those 27, I think 14 were state projects. So, I mean, you know, the, the sad fact is it takes so long to get a project through the pipeline. I, I was talking with Mayor Bragg yesterday and Mayor Bragg was talking about, hey, where's Thompson Lane? How, where are y'all on that? And, and I said, well, you know, we're, we're on right away acquisition, working with the state. He's like, you know, I was told in 2000, I was told when I was mayor that that project was going to be done in 2016. So that's seven years ago. And, and it just sort of goes to prove I'm so, I'm really excited about the governor's new um, road plan that their number one priority is being able to fast track state road projects to be able to get those road projects completed quicker. And, and you know, in this, as a city, we're a little more nimble than the state government, and we're able to complete road, road projects quicker. And you're seeing that throughout our city with our hotspot prog uh, programs that we're doing, like, you know, Haynes Drive and Sulphur Springs was an example. Uh, Robert Chafin Lane. Chafin Lane is one that we're doing right now. Robert Rose and Thompson Lane, the, the where Robert Rose came into Thompson Lane. We're we're all we're able to do those as a city and we're now identifying what we call hot spots to be able to go and fix those. So, you know, I think I'm excited. You know, Chris Griffith, I mean, Chris is a, is a rock star inside the city about moving forward and creatively working on road projects. And I think that's something that um, you're, you're seeing our council. We've always put a priority on, on road projects. 75% of our borrowing that we do is all related to transportation and road projects. And visually, you're seeing it happen. I mean, it's a TDOT project, but 99, Highway 99, yeah. that a lot of that is finished. They're still working on sure. some of it. Uh, Brinkley Road has a new bridge going up for the Blackman High School students. Yep. Uh, the one we talked about on Medical Center Parkway widening is, is going up. But, but one that a lot of people are concerned about, at least over in that down uh, the Medical Center area, is the Asbury Lane. Yes. And that's getting closer you're seeing something going on there yeah that's been a really um that that's been a really touchy one um we've worked really hard with the family that owns the the grove farm out right. there 
And, and so, you know, Mike, I'm a country guy. I grew up in, in Mont Eagle. I, I grew up in mainly a very rural area. And so I'm very um, understanding of, of the farming aspect. And it's part of our character. I think people yes. appreciate that. Yeah. But the tough thing with the Grove, for example, is that's in our busiest commercial area in the city of Murfreesboro. And so Asbury Lane, that interchange right there, there's no other way to describe it as it's just a disaster. And so what we're wanting to do is completely close off that um, the road that, that, road that connects yes. medical center. And that has to be routed through that the, the Williamson property and Conference Center Drive would connect back into Asbury and then also in conjunction with the widening of Wilkinson uh, Pike. Is that what they're in the process of doing now or is that separate from that? It that's, seems like that's what they're doing. That's separate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've not started the process of realigning Asbury and um, and, re and the widening of Wilkinson So Pike. the road that is occurring in there is all the private roadway Correct. that they're creating, yeah. which I, is I improvement. It is. The council voted back in August to proceed with the design on on uh, on actually through that that farm and so it's like anything else you know we we want typically we really like to work with the property owner to be able to make it work for everyone sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't but I don't think anyone can argue that that Asbury Lane interchange is a is a really dangerous intersection that we've got to be able to address Another a major development that's been years in the working, uh, which is the relationship that the City Parks Department has with yeah. the Tennessee State Soccer Association, yeah. which I know you are akin to because yes. you have uh, uh, boys that have played soccer for a number of years. Um, we now see the visual aspect of the indoor yeah. soccer uh, facility. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm extremely proud of what's happened at Siegel. Uh, and, and really, I think this is more you know, Mike, it's after the years of doing this, I think you end up losing your political filter. And I think it is extremely important in our community to have a vibrant parks and recreation system. And, you know, there are people out there that are, are like, well, I don't use the soccer complex or I don't use the baseball complex. Or, I don't use the Greenway. Why do we have them? And I'm like, well, there's a lot of things in this community that you may use that I don't use. But I am passionate to, to be able to say that if you don't give kids an opportunity to, to do something, they're much less likely to get in trouble when they are on the ball fields as opposed to not being on the ball fields. And then, you know, at the same time, all of us have played some type of organized sport. I mean, whether it's at church or whether it's in a league. And, and being part of an organized team teaches you how to interact and play well with others. I mean, there, there's no doubt you look at people who have, who have been associated with some kind of team building in a sports, in, in a sports environment, they're better teammates than those who've never learned how to work well with others. And so I, I say that for soccer that in baseball and you look at West Park and those things that we're working on, that Murfreesboro has way before me put a priority on parks and recreation and I think that's something that is in the fabric of our community that it, it's not something to be um, 
ashamed of. It's something to be proud of. Well, I think you can make an argument that a lot of the reason why people are attracted to our city and they're coming from everywhere, you know, congestion is an issue. Yeah. But it, the reason why it's an issue is because people want to live here, and part of that is the park system and the greenway system. I, I completely agree. I, you know, you look at Seagull Soccer Complex, and from the taxpayer standpoint, we did spend money on turf, you know, putting turf on, on nine of the fields out there. We built the indoor area. But one of the things that when you put, you know, pencil to pad, the, num the amount of money that we spent on, on turfing those fields, that means that we don't have to mow them. That means we don't have to fertilize them. That means that we don't have to do the thatching every year that we have to do. That also means that, you know, we were having to close those fields from October to February. So there's about five or six months of the year that you couldn't use the fields. And so now we've got it set up to where you can use those fields year round. And that's probably going to be an attraction factor on the part of these larger associations wanting to come here because they know when they do come here that they're going to be able to play. And sure. there's not going to be a delay or a post. Well, my, you know, my kids are senior, my, my older boys are seniors this year and they played. Um, it, it's funny because half the time I feel like that I'm running in circles. So last night I went to Seagull Soccer Complex because the boys had a match at six o'clock. And so I text um, my, my mom who comes to all their games. I'm like, hey, mom, um, where's the game? And she's like, oh, it's at Riverdale. And hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I'm at Seagull and clearly I'm on the wrong side of town. But last night there was probably 200 kids. It was not, there were not matches. I mean, these are 200 kids inside the city of Murfreesboro in different associations or teams that were practicing out there last night. I would argue that's a good thing. Yeah. The West Park, we alluded to that a little bit, but um, where do you see that? Because a lot of people in the West End have been yeah. wanting a park for a while, and then it, it got changed, of course. But um, the accomplishment is the land swap occurred with yeah. MTA, MTE, so that's finished. Yeah, and now it's up designing the park. And right? not many people know, um, I'm real slow to take credit on things, but my wife and I were walking 18 months ago this was a year ago, November, and we were talking about West Park and we were talking about the challenges that um, the piece of property we had next to 840. It's just, I mean, it was the only property we could find. Not great for a, for a park. I mean, typically you don't see parks next to a, an interstate. And so she was like, you know, she was really challenging me to be able to say, well, there's gotta be some other alternatives. And so that's when we came up with the idea of, well, Middle Tennessee Electric has 153 acres that is prime parkland. It's surrounded by neighborhoods. It's on Veterans Parkway. It has great access. And then the piece of property that we had is more commercial property. And so went Craig and I, Tyndall and I went and met with Chris Jones. I was like, hey Chris, I got a crazy idea. We've got 119 acres that is got surrounded by four roads. Its access is much better for a commercial type application like what you guys have on Veterans Parkway, but you're surrounded by neighborhoods. So wouldn't it make sense if we looked at interchanging those? So it took us about, it took us about a year to go through that process. And in December of this past year, we voted and we acquired their 153 acres. They took our 119 acres. And now we truly can start the process to be able to um, start a community park, which is what we're, we're, we're doing. I'm sure you probably asked the question already, but realistically, when will we see a park there? The wheels of government turn slow. Um, it's true. My, and it takes time. It does. And, and my, 
we all have regrets. And I think, and I've been very upfront about this, I think it's a mistake and it's something that I am, um, I'm very disappointed that over the years I've been on council that we've not been able to get something on the west side of town. I think it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I think we can rectify. And so I, what my goal is, and what I was actually just told this, this morning, um, in two weeks, they're coming to the council with a, with a, an agreement on who's going to be the designer for the park. And then that will take another two or three weeks to be able to go through and get sort of a plan, a program plan for what they would like to see there. And then, you know, my hope is by the end of this year, we should be able to have the process to be able to start construction over there. You know, I, that's an aggressive timeline, but I do think either this year or next year, you'll start seeing dirt moving in that facility. We already have $8 million set aside. So we've got the money there to be able to do something. A sign of progress, so it's moving yes. forward. Uh, a lot of communities have been resistant of uh, body cameras for police, yeah. but some have said, yeah, we're going to do that, especially in light of the climate that we've gone through yes. in the last two or three years. Um, Murfreesboro police decided to move forward with it. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's really interesting. I, um, your younger officers, I think who are used to more technology, we're all like, no, we want body cameras, you know. And I, and I do think it's if if you're doing if you're not doing anything you're not supposed to be doing, then body cameras are mm -hmm. it's a no-brainer, right? And so I think what's happened is, and I I think our police our police officers and our entire MPD team are, in, in my opinion, the best that you will find. You know, a lot of the things that you see happening in other communities, you don't see happening here. And I think it's because of the type of people that we've tried to hire and that the, you know, Mike, we have really over the last eight years made it a priority that we, you know, whenever things were happening nationally with other police departments and you, you heard, I'm not trying to make this political, but you would, you know, hear this defund the police we made a different decision where we said, no, we want to fund our police because we don't want to be hiring people that are not good for our police department. We want to be able to attract the brightest and best. We don't want other communities to poach our good officers. And so that's what we've done. I mean, our, our police pay, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but I want to say our police pay has gone up 50% over the last eight years. Um, and, and, you know, I think you have to do that. I mean, and, and it's, just a, it's just a fact now. You see what's happening nationally, you see what's happening on the news, and you also see what the stress that our, our a police officer is under. Who wants that job now? So it is a very tough job to be able to fill, and you have to make sure that the people who are in those positions not only are being financially rewarded, but I think emotionally that, that you're, you know, we've put in, in, in uh, in action our uh, mental uh, mental service providers that are going around with our police officers to be able to help in domestic and different type of, of situations so you've got to be able to give them the resources the body cameras have in turn i think they're not seen now as hey we're trying to catch you doing something it's almost seen as a protection that we know our officers are going to do the right thing so we want to have something on them to protect what's happening in the environment that they're in. Was this an issue that uh, 
that the chief of police and the police department felt like they wanted to do, or was did there have to be any kind of city influence on? No, on I mean, I, I, Mike, I think what you see, and you've heard me say this before, I think whenever politicians get involved in service delivery decisions, we typically are going to screw it up or make it tougher. And so that was not a a push from the city council that we wanted to see that happen. That was something that the police chief was was bringing forward to say in, in, in our city administration team that they were saying, we want to do this to protect our officers, not only our officers, but we also want to be able to do this to protect our, our residents and the general public. And so I think it's something that um, they were not reluctant at all to do this. I, there was a process to go through you know, including how it works with a district attorney to be able to make sure that you protect all those records um, as they're as they're digitally stored. Um, but I, there's, I, I can tell you this: I've not had one officer who has complained to me about having their their cameras now. I think it's just something that's. I mean, look, we live in a world now that you're being filmed. You know, anyway, you, all yes. the time. Yes, I mean, you see someone with a camera and. And I mean, that's that's the world we live in. Everywhere you go, you're yes. videotaped. So I, I, I think that's just something that as technology has increased, um, it's just things we've, we've become more used to. The other thing that in the public safety realm that is an issue that every community seems to be dealing with, especially out west, but it's the homelessness issue. Yes. And they have a task force. I don't know if that's the direction that, that the city is going more with the police and the task force. Yep. Or, you know, I know there's other issues like um, community development that yes. is working on that as well. Yeah. I had a really good meeting yesterday with Greenhouse Ministries. They're one of our, our long-time homeless advocates, uh, homelessness advocates in the city of Murfreesboro. You know, they just got finished building a new mm -hmm. transitional house. And it was a really good conversation that, um, this is not going to be prob probably politically correct to say this. There are a lot of people in our community that, that are homeless that want the help of those organizations. And then there are some individuals in our community that are homeless that don't want help. They just want you to leave them alone. It's true. And I think that group hurts the other group that is really wanting to be able to get help. And it, to move from homelessness to living in they, it, it, a home. The, the, work, the, you know, the term is transitional homelessness. They're, they're, they don't want to be homeless, but maybe a life event happened that made them, so the goal, made them be in that situation. So the goal is to move from, to transition to something else. And that's what Greenhouse Ministry is, is doing. And they were really clear with me yesterday to say, Shane, there's a segment of that population that you're not going to be able to help. I had my offices downtown and I had a gentleman the other day that was doing something on one of the buildings next to me that he shouldn't have been doing. And when I was like, hey, man, you can't do that. And he got really aggressive with me for for something that I, you and I would be arrested if we did right. that. And so I think what we're going to have to do and, and Mike, this is something you and I have talked about, and it, it's it's really concerning to me because we've had to do things here at City Hall that we typically wouldn't ever have done. You know, for example, I think there's been a big talk about the library that you know we we constantly hear from our residents that they don't feel safe going to the library anymore because 
it's turned into a day homeless shelter. And, and I think that is fair for the resident to say, hey, that's not what, what the use of the library should be for. And so I think what we've got to do, and, and this is what, maybe I'm naive with this, we've got to do everything that we can to support those organizations that are really dedicated to helping people get to a different situation than they're in right now. And then we also have to define that, you know, there's this other group that maybe we need to have the hard discussion to say, look, you can't live on the Greenway. You know, you, you, you can't live at City Hall, but find different alternatives that, um, that we can work through those things. And, and Mike, I say that not, I don't want any, anyone to think that, you know, I'm being unsympathetic or trying to be heartless, but the, the issue that we run into as a city, and I, I, would, I would tell the, the, ad, the homeless advocate, put yourself in our shoes, that if someone comes to the library, I mean, like, it's state law, right? We don't let sex offenders around children, right? That's state law. Well, if you can't verify someone that's around story time or children all the time, then that puts the city in a very precarious legal situation if something did happen. Can you imagine being the parent that something happened to a child and, and we, we didn't have the things in place to be able to fix that? So there are public safety issues, like you were saying, in the Greenway. And then, you know, if you, if you err on the side uh, of one, you end up having a problem on the other. So yes. And, and, and it's just like the, the, um, when I first was elected 10 years ago, I was naive and I thought, I, I'm going to come in and I'm going to find a way that we can fix the, the homeless issue in Murfreesboro. And the more that I met with all of these groups, the, it became apparent that there's different opinions across the board on how you do it. It's a complex issue. Some people are like, hey, you just leave them alone and let them do whatever they want to. And I would argue with you, I've read so many articles now about San Francisco and the amount of people who are small businesses that are leaving San Francisco because of the homeless situation that's there. Or, you know, I read an article a week ago about Chicago that, you know, that the homeless had invaded the O'Hara airport, you know, the ticketing counter, and now that they were trying to fix that. And so there has to be a good balance that we're compassionate but at the same time that the, the homeless advocates understand that the city cannot just allow no holds barred to do whatever someone wants to do. I mean, you've always heard that saying that your right is, is to punch someone ends at my nose. And so we can't do something that will hurt the overall public. One last issue I wanted to address was, and this is part of the growth issue, is that as you're growing and you're having infrastructure needs for roadways, you also have that for sewer capacity yeah. and water. And there are limits. I sure. mean, there's limits to the water that we have here. I guess you can continue to maybe take from Percy Priest, but then that becomes a capacity issue. But you have made significant investments in the water infrastructure. Yeah, and, and it's a very complicated process that not a lot of people like to talk about. I mean, I, I tell when I speak, the favorite thing I get to do is go speak to elementary school kids. And I, I, I routinely will ask them, hey, what happens when you flush the toilet? Hmm. And they cannot tell me what happens when they flush the toilet where it goes. And so it's a, it's a very detailed process that we're 
so fortunate our Murfreesboro Water Resources Department that there's a, people a lot smarter than me and you who manage that. that it might department. be out of sight, out of mind for us, but it's not for them. No, and, and you know, I think that's something that the city council over the last really 10 years, and, and you can't go into all the legal part. I mean, we could sit here for two hours and just talk about zoning and property rights. and But really what we had to look at is what the sewer capacity is a finite resource. And what does that really go to? And so we've really looked at, not necessarily from zoning, but more a capacity that this is how many units that we will allow to be developed. And you know, all of, all of our wastewater goes back to the Stones River or it ends up going to irrigation and affluent, being able to the gate, irrigate the gateway or Old Fort Golf Course. So mm -hmm. ultimately, you've got to do something with it. And as we grow, that's going to be a big issue moving forward. But I, I'm, I'm not confident of a lot of things, but I am more confident in our, our Murfreesboro Water Resources Department that we are heading in the right way to be proactive on how we handle all of that. How much pressure is there from developers that obviously development and housing is an important part of the economy here. Sure. So they want to be able to develop new housing, but if the infrastructure capacity isn't there, because mm. I know Darren's working all kinds of yeah. different ways to, to increase yeah. that. But. You know, I think if it were up to the development community, um, it, there would be a lot less regulation than what there is. I, I'm probably on the opposite end that I think it's one of those things you just can't have a no holds barred approach. And, and I, you're a developer. I am, and I'm probably, I tell people this, that they think that I'm, you know, an advocate on letting development do whatever they want to, and you'll watch me on TV. And one of the council members the other day, he was telling me, he's like, hey, I'm a new council member, and all these people will come up to me and they'll be like, you know that McFarland guy, he's a developer. He, he's always gonna side with the development community. And the council member said, you know, I've been up here with him for six months now, and he's probably tougher on them than anybody who sits up there. And it's just because I've done this so long that I, I know the developer speak when I can really look at them and, and say, I've heard that before, that's not the way it works. And so I think there's a compromise. Um, what a lot of people don't realize, most of the roads and infrastructure that's built inside the city of Murfreesboro is done by the private sector. So the, the house you live in right now, the infrastructure that was put in the ground to support your house was paid for by a developer and they give that back to the city of Murfreesboro. So there's definitely a, a I think a, a, a compromise that we all work together, but we've really had to say that we're going to do things differently than we did 20 years ago. And it's, it's tougher here in the city now, um, which I don't apologize for. I think you look at the product that we have in the city now and the things that we're getting in the city, it's because we have increased our design guideline standards. I think there's gonna be a, a discussion very soon about impact fees inside the city. Um, so I think that's a, that's a discussion. But I mean, growth doesn't pay for itself. There, there's, I, there, there, it just doesn't. And so I think now finding creative ways that we don't penalize the taxpayer for the growth that comes across, that's what we're working on. For all the complaints that people might have about congestion and growth, um, the city continues to win awards or get highly ranked 
in a number of areas, both sure. economically and growth-wise, and then in, and basically the amenity of living, the the, yeah. the way of life here. Um, one that the city receives every year, and it's recently received for the 24th year, is financial reporting. Yes, I, I'm an accountant. I mean, that's my my your background. In, yeah, in my, my background is even though I'm in the construction industry, I'm actually, my wife will tell you that my love language is a spreadsheet. I mean, I, uh, so mm -hmm. our financial state of the city is the best that it has ever been. Now, I, I'm very concerned. We've, we've seen two months, two consecutive months where our sales tax revenue did not meet what we budgeted. So I think that's extremely concerning. Because the Federal Reserve is trying to lower inflation. In yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know how that correlates to what we're spending you know what we're buying i just know december we met our budget january february we've not met our sales tax revenue budgets the projections that the we projections have. right we we're fit we have for the net year we're fifty six thousand dollars up but i'm really going to be interested to see what excuse me i was saying our, our december and january numbers were down we haven't seen our february numbers yet and we're in a fiscal year that ends june 30th correct so i'm interested to see what our february numbers if if a, if we don't meet our sales tax revenue forecast for three months in a row, I think that brings significant concern. But I mean, last year, uh, Mike, we put over $60 million in our rainy day fund. And that is, it really is two factors. That's, we, we collected more than what we budgeted, mainly through sales tax revenue. And then we also spent less than what we budgeted. So those are two good things, you know, collect more and spend less. And so we, our, our rainy day fund, um, which we call our fund balance, that's over $111 million now. To put that in perspective, when I first was elected um, nine or 10 years ago, that number was about 27 million. So, uh, and, and I, that's not because of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think as a council, we are fiscally conservative on how we spend money. Um, and, and our staff is too. I mean, so I, this says if something really happened, we had that downturn, we would have something to rely on to get us through that period. Yeah, we've almost got, you know, you hear Dave Ramsey talk about a rainy day fund. Um, we've got about seven months that if the city didn't collect another penny, we could operate our city for seven months on just what we've saved up. And I think where that where that is very important is by having that reserve that also means that, you know, I think you have to average out the good years and the bad years. So what you'll see most governments, when they have a bad year, they raise taxes. And I, I don't foresee us having to do that because if you average out, we're gonna be in pretty good shape. And I think that's something that, um, that we should be able to continue to, to move forward with. Companies like Smart Asset and WalletHub yeah. are those companies that you know, they're into finance, but they also do rankings. And, and we, the city of Murfreesboro's fared pretty well in some of yeah, those rankings, but recently- Well, Mike, we're number one. I mean- Yeah, we're number one in a lot of things. <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. But one of them that you pointed out yourself not too long ago, and I noticed it, 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 was, it was different, but Murfreesboro ranked number one by smart asset in African-American business. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, I, th I, th I think, what it goes to show is that, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a, a good way to put this, Murfreesboro is a welcoming place. 
It's yep. diverse. It, it's more diverse than what people might yeah, it's, say. Yeah, it, you know, it's a diverse city. You go all the way back to 2017 when we had a group that wanted to come in that definitely did not, you know, come in to speak that did not fit mm-hmm. what I think the values of our city. It, You're we referring have, to the rally. Yes, and and it, it gave us the opportunity to be able to say, hey, that's not who we are as a community. And so you look at people, you look at, you know, Kurt Wade on our council, Madeline Skills Harris, that we don't ever look at one segment. You know, I, I say this routinely. I don't ask you what your political preference is when we go pick your trash up. I don't ask you what your religion is. I don't ask you, you know, what your, you know, what your ethnicity is. That's not how we operate in the city. And I think by leading from the top down to let people know we don't do that and we want everyone to be treated and fairly and get the same services inside the city, no matter who you are. I was extremely proud when um, Mr. McDonald, Dr. McDonald sent me that, that showing that, you know, Murfreesboro ranks number one in the, in the country for African Americans starting a business. But I would tell you, it's not just African Americans. I think you look at where we rank financially, demographics, household income, uh, our GDP growth, Murfreesboro has continued to outpace most every single city in the country. And so, you know, Mike, I get really, you know how active I am on social media that, I mean, I think we have to do that now as a political official that, you know, you have to be active on all the social media mediums to be able to get communication and feedback. You know, City TV 3 is you know, you look at the talks we did during COVID and you look at how we've tried to be proactive on engaging our community, you, you a lot of times get focused on the negative. You know, no one comes to a city council meeting to tell you you're doing a good job. No one gets on my Facebook page or Twitter feed to tell me, hey, Mayor, you're doing a great job. Human I mean, nature is the negative. Yeah, right? they typically are getting on there to tell me I suck or that, you know, what, that was a stupid decision. And so you get weighed down in all the negative that you don't get a lot of times to do what we're doing now and to really look and say, hey, this is, um, this is where we are as a city. And, and I'll tell you this, I think most good leaders have a healthy sense of insecurity, um, you know, because, and this is just the way I was raised. And I tell my boys this, hey, if you're not working hard, I guarantee you the person you're trying to compete against, they're working hard. And that's something I think is a city that, you know, hopefully I've tried to stress in our government is that, you know, you can't just look back and say, we did really good on that one. All right, let's take a break. Because you don't get that opportunity. And um, that I think that makes you tired quite a bit. But um, I, I think that's also one of the reasons why Murfreesboro succeeded is because we just don't you know, beat our chest to say we did really good on that. We just, you know, my favorite, my favorite show, I watch it once a year is West Wing. Um, I mean, it's, I watched the whole series. This year, I finished on January 28th, the entire series. You know, so when I work, I'll listen. And so my favorite thing that Martin Sheen does with President Bartlett, and this may be a good way to end our segment. I assume you don't want to aspire to the West Wing. No, no. I, I, he said, he would, he'll always say, what's next? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we may have a good win, and then my word's going to be, what's next? Um, so that way, I think, as a city, 
we're always looking to, to say, yeah, it's great we did we did well on that one, but what's There's next? always another challenge coming around the corner. That's exactly yeah. right. Thanks for sharing uh, the accomplishments with us in 2022. Absolutely. And uh, congratulations on becoming a pilot. Hey, I'm, I'm excited. That's good. Onward and upward. Blue skies up is what they say. Thanks, Mayor, for All being right. with us. Thank you, Mike. Good to see you. Good to see you.